Romans 8, 14 through 17. For all who are led by the Spirit are Spirit of God, are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. All right. Well, good morning. Who wooed me? Thank you. I don't, that's, that's great. Oh, my sister. All right. Uh, um, I mean, yeah, oh, yeah, my sister. Uh, uh, well, I'm excited to be here. My name's Anthony G. Uh, it's just G-E-E, like G-Wiz. A lot of people think it's like Galifianakis or something like that because it's like hard to say, but it's just G. It's really easy to say. But I'm really excited to be here because, uh, you know, I have some close friends here. My sister lives in Tucson, and I love Dave and Stephen. You guys have some incredible leaders, and Paul and Jenny, Paul, who uh, was up doing announcements earlier, they're like some of our, some of our best friends from college. Uh, we went to an incredible college. Um, I'll let you ask them about what college that was. And then... <laughs> Um, and so I'm really excited to be here. And then uh, another reason I'm kind of excited is so we're, I'm from Redemption Flagstaff, which we planted uh, probably a year or so before you guys, something like that. And so you guys have kind of always been near and dear to us because we're kind of like you guys and us. We're kind of both like the OGs of Redemption Church planning, I think. Um, so so that, uh, that's why you guys have always been near and dear to me. But I like to start with a story. So I'm going to tell you guys a story. Um, when I was like 10 or 12, we took this family vacation. We drove in a minivan all the way to Maine, all right, from Phoenix, all right? And so we drove all the way to Maine. We get to Maine, and my, we were staying with my aunt. And my aunt had, she lived in this area where everybody has really huge properties, right? Like the next property is like a quarter mile away. And her property was so big that she had a giant pond, like in front of her property, right? And so it was probably about a quarter mile around. And I would go, like, try to catch frogs and different kinds of stuff. And so one day, while we're staying with my aunt, I'm walking around this pond. I find a sweet, giant stick. I call it a bow staff. You know, I'm doing Donatello Ninja Turtle stuff with it. And I'm getting about two-thirds away around the pond. And I notice in the distance at the house uh, about a quarter mile away, there's a dog in the front yard. And the dog gets up, and he looks at me. Now, I grew up with dogs, so I said, cool, a dog. I'll play with this dog. And the dog starts running at me. And as I started to look at the dog, I started to remember a story my aunt had been telling my parents where a neighbor's dog had tried to break through her screen door to kill her. <laughs> and I thought in my 10-year-old brain, is this the same dog? <laughs> and uh, as I saw it, uh, kind of running, I was like, I think that's a kill run. I, I think that's a kill run. I think it's coming to kill me. So I was stupid. I threw my stick away. I don't know why I did that. And I just start taking off towards the front of the house. And I just start screaming, Mom, Dad, ah! like just screaming. And I'm booking. And the dog is much closer now. And I'm, I'm absolutely sure it's a kill run at this point. And, and you know, like when you run from dogs, they get more excited. They're like, I'm really going to kill this guy. Like that is going to be awesome. And so I start running harder and harder, screaming for my mom and my dad. And my mom was in the front yard. And she was, like, putting one of my brothers and sisters in the car. And I was like, here, yes, my mom, she will save me. Here we go. She sees me. She sees the dog. And she just goes, Alan! 
which is my dad's name, and she just starts screaming my dad's name, and I'm like, this is it, game over. Like, my mom, my mom's not going to help me. I got to figure this out. And so I'm running, and I'm next to the pond still, and I kind of see coming up, there's like this little log that I could jump over, and it could be a barrier between me and the dog. So I jump over the log, and now I'm in the pond, and the dog gets up to the log, and I made a, a crucial miscalculation because the dog, right, like the log was just propped up enough and like he could go right under it, right? And so I swear, the dog came up to the log, stopped, looked down at it, and then looked up at me. And I, I, I think he was like, are you serious, man? Like, this isn't even fun anymore. And so I was like, this is it, I'm gonna die. I like went in crucifix, like I was like, I'm just, and, but then I was like, no, wait, I gotta, I gotta fight this dog. And so I cocked back my fist, and as the dog's about to go under, I punched the dog right in the head, right? I was a weak child. And so I think the dog thought I was petting him, and this time he looked up and he said, are you serious? Like, and, and then just right then, my dad comes shooting out of uh, the front of the house, and he's just looking for danger, because he just hears my mom screaming, and he doesn't, he's just like, I have to kill something, I don't know. And the dog kind of gets startled by the noise, and the dog and him kind of have this intense face off. My dad's like a big guy. And the dog backs down and walks away. And, and so my, I, like, I climb back over the log, and I'm like crying. And I'm like, I hate you, Mom. And, <laughs> and, and I get in the car. Now today, we are, we're talking about adoption. All right, we're talking about adoption. And so you might say, how does that story relate to adoption? Well, I'll tell you. The... Paul Bell, he, he loves that story. He, he requested that I would tell it, uh, kind of. And uh, he loves all these stories where I get chased by dogs. And, uh, and so the connection is Paul is adopted. So that's how the story connects. That's the, that's the only connection. I know. But I got you listening. All right? Uh, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. We pass out Bibles. It's yours to keep. If you don't have a Bible, if you do have a Bible, just set it somewhere in the back on the way out. And then I think uh, we're supposed to say it in Spanish. Uh, I'll say it gringo style. Tengo un Biblias en Español. If you need them. Uh, necesitas. All right. So Dave's better at that than me. Um, but let me pray for us as we get started. We're going to look into what, what adoption really is. God, thank you for Redemption Tucson. Thank you for what you're doing. And God, as I speak this morning, let the words I say be what you would say to the group. God, let this, God, Holy Spirit, we, we need you for this to be good. We really do. Um, we, we could speak well or eloquent or, or, or whatever, God, and it, and, it, and it won't move us unless you're doing something in our hearts, God. So God, please do something in our hearts through this. Help us to understand more deeply what adoption in Christ is. And so, God, we love you. We thank you. We just pray all of this in your mighty and holy name. Amen. All right. So we're in, I love this series you guys are doing called Gospel-Centered Outward Focus. Right? I love this idea, and I love just what Dave said earlier, is that there are truths about us, and these truths about us will cause us to live differently. It will cause us to be outward Focused, And I love this series because it's one of my favorite phrases that, that we say at Redemption. We kind of have all these shared phrases that we say to, to illustrate points about us. And so I love this gospel-centered, outward-focused message. And so if you're here and you're like, I've heard the word gospel. Is Anthony talking about like, uh, like singing? I'm not. And so I want to give you guys a quick definition of gospel. 
The gospel is simply the good news that Jesus did everything to save you, all right, and bring you to him. That's, that's it at the very base level. And there's, there's more historical points and, and nuances to the gospel, but at the very base level, it's everything Jesus did to save you, okay? And so, I, like I said, I, I love this series because it, I think a lot of times in Christianity, the gospel becomes this thing where it is just the starting point for us as Christians. It is just the launch pad into Christianity. And I don't think that the gospel is just the diving board, but I think the gospel is also the pool for us as Christians, all right? So what I mean is I think the gospel has depth, that we should be daily as Christians swimming in the truths of the gospel and seeing its depths and letting those depths affect us and move us closer to Jesus and being outward focused. And so today we're going to be talking about one of those gospel depths, and it's going to be the depths of our adoption, all right? So we're going to, we are going to be talking about actual adoption, like where you adopt a child or an orphan or, or, or what have you. But today we're going to be talking about how God adopts us, okay? And so I'm just going to give you the definition of adoption right up front. Adoption in, regard, in, in the spiritual way, is when God brings us into his family, right? It's when God makes you and me a son or a daughter or a child of God, right? That is adoption. God takes us from one family, and he puts us in his family. That's adoption, all right? I love, Dave, Dave last week, he did a great job talking about the image of God being on us and how that should affect us, how we should treat every person in the world with dignity because the image of God is on them. And he also did a great job showing us that that, that image got marred a little bit. That image became broken when sin entered. And so turn to Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians 2, it gives us a, a, a picture of what happened to us when sin entered the world, sin entered humanity. And it shows us why God has to adopt us. Because it shows us who our other parents are. Ephesians 2 verse 1. It says this. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world. Following the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. So due to sin entering the world, we become children of wrath. We become sons of disobedience. We got a new mommy named wrath and a new daddy named disobedience, right? And people, a lot of times, they don't like this aspect of the gospel, but the gospel can't be good news unless there's something we need saving from or if there's some kind of bad news in there. And, and like, even just, like, I look for it, I see it a lot, like, the brokenness just in humanity. Like, I was in the bathroom today, right, and in the boys, I don't know if it's like this in the girls' bathroom, but in the boys' bathroom, 
they're not allowed to have toilet paper in the stalls with them. Like there's like a little toilet paper hanger thing and they have to like, di- like figure out how much they need and then take it with them. Right? I think those are prison rules, right? Like that's crazy. And this is a K through eight school and these kids are like clogging up the toilets that they had to make this extreme rule. But that's, that's humanity. We're, we are sons of disobedience. We are children of wrath until we meet Jesus and trust in him. So we're children of wrath, meaning we deserve punishment for our sins. But God, he loves us so much that he had a plan for that. And we see his plan in John chapter 1. So turn to John chapter 1. We're going to be in three different passages today, so sorry to make you flip around. But I wanted to give us a full picture of adoption. So we'll be in John chapter 1, verse 9. And to get, it's kind of set up this, this passage in John. John had just explained how Jesus is God, isn't it? Like, Jesus is God, how everything was created through Jesus, and Jesus was there at the beginning. And, and so he, he gives this picture of Jesus. And then in verse 9, he says this. He says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And so John paints this picture of Jesus as as this light that comes into the world and and, and proclaims the gospel and, and and. Anyone that believes or receives in him, did you see that phrase in there, becomes a child, a child of God. They become children of God. And so that we begin to see God's adoption plan for us. Right? God knew our mom was wrath and our dad was disobedience. And he said, well, I want to become their dad. I want to be their good father. And so that's the first bit of good news for us today. That's the first bit of the gospel that we're seeing today. The good news is all you have to do to become a child of God is believe in Jesus, is receive Jesus. That's all it takes to to become a child of God. And, And God adopts you based not on your work, but on his work. Romans 8, you can turn there. Romans 8 also kind of takes a look at what, what it looks like for us now as Christians to live out this adopted life. So if you can turn there, we'll be in verse 14 of Romans 8. And Romans 8 really kind of mines the depths of adoption for us. And so we're going we're gonna to see some of that right now. Romans 8, 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And I'm going to stop there halfway through 17. And so Romans begins to paint this beautiful picture of our adoption in Christ, how we are sons, how we are heirs, how God has given us a spirit of adoption. 
And so for the next few minutes, I want to take four of those phrases from those two passages we just read. I want to take four of those phrases and look at them and look at what that means for us. Because sometimes, especially if you've grown up in the church, you'll read these passages. And you're like, oh, that's nice. That's sweet. Yeah. Right. But we want to pause on them and say, what does that mean for me? What does that look like when I let the gospel center me? And so we're going to take four of those phrases and see what they mean for us. The first phrase we're going to take is children of God, which we saw in first John or in John chapter one. So I love that John John uses that word children, right? Because it's plural, right? So so adoption shows us that we don't become just a singular child of God, but that we become a become children of God. That means we have a big family once God adopts us. We have everyone that is a Christian is your brother or sister. That's real, right? That everyone that is a Christian is your brother or sister. That is amazing, especially those that, that want a, a bigger family. Those of you that, that, that yearn for a bigger family because maybe you didn't grow up in that situation. God is saying, come into my family. I have a big family for you that I've made. Children of God. Next phrase is actually sons. And it kind of goes with heirs, but sons in Romans 8. Now you might read this and you might be in here and you're like, hey, Anthony, I'm a girl, so don't appreciate Paul not calling out the daughters, right? And, and when I first read it, I probably thought the same thing. But Paul is actually being very intentional in using the word sons. Because when Paul is saying sons in, in the ancient Near East, the sons inherited all that the father had. The sons became who the father was. And so sons in, in that culture had, had huge meaning. It basically means we got all that God has for us. We get to inherit what he has for us. We get to have who he is in our lives. And so I, I actually like that Paul uses the word sons there. He's not being sexist. He's trying to say, even if you're a daughter... In some way, you're a son because you're going to get to inherit what God has for you. And so we get to, and so what is that? Well, first and foremost, it's God himself. We get to inherit a father. Secondly, and I think sometimes in the church we've pushed back on talking about this because people have maybe gone, talked too much about hell. But we get to inherit heaven one day. Right? Like, that's a good thing. Like, we get to inherit heaven and God's kingdom and, and God has a house for you up there and, and all these kinds of stuff. Like, those are good things that we will get to inherit. We will get to inherit our Father's house and, and, and live eternally. That's a good thing. So it is a good thing that we're sons and it, it's not sexist. The next phrase is uh, spirit of adoption. Spirit of adoption. And I, I love this phrase because, one, it reminds us that God has adopted us. Now we are part of his family. He is our father. He's our dad. And he's adopted us. And the reason I like it is because we have a new identity now. When God adopts you and me, we have a new identity. Right? Our last name's not wrath or disobedience anymore. Our, 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 God is our father. God gives us a new identity. So we don't have to live the way we used to in our old family, where we were children of wrath and sons of disobedience. 
right? We don't have to live that way anymore. We can now live like our new family. We can look to God the Father and say, God, how should I live? What should I be like? Who should I be like? And we can just get a picture of God and Jesus and realize that that's who we are to look like now. And so I know a lot of people struggle with sin. And and sin is is a, a difficult struggle and it will always be a struggle for the rest of your life. But if you've believed and received Jesus, you have a new identity. You can put that stuff away, even though it might come up sometimes. The next phrase is, we cry, Abba, Father. We cry, Abba, Father. I love that phrase. And it, it's, it's in, there, in that culture at that time, Abba was like daddy, right? It was like dad, dad, daddy. And so Paul is telling us the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, into our hearts, and it causes us to cry out, Dad, Daddy, right? And, and that, you know, that can be awkward for some of us. But I think it shows that we have an intimacy with God now, right, that only a child of God can have. We have an intimacy with God now, right? I, I have a two-year-old daughter and this phrase just kind of meant, brought, there was so much more life brought to this phrase once I had a two-year-old daughter. Me and my daughter, her name's Amelie, we, she, we, we have a very intimate relationship. She, she loves me. She's, not, she's totally like, hey, if her nose is running, she's going to wipe it, maybe even on my face. Like she, I, Maybe it's the beard. I don't know. And she, we, we have an intimate relationship and that's what we have with God, right? That's what we have with God now. He's adopted us, and we are his children. We can wipe our nose on God. I don't know. What, I, I, maybe we can't. But, uh, but I hope you get what I'm saying, right? And I think my favorite part of this is now when we kind of disappoint God or when we sin or whatever it may be, we still have that intimacy with God. Right? We're not the child deserving wrath anymore. We're not the son deserving disobedience anymore. Like my daughter, Amelie, a few weeks ago, she came up to me while I was at the dinner table, and she put, like, buried her head in my side, and she was giving me a hug. And then I don't know what happened, but I think one of my little like, like fat flaps got in her mouth, and she was like, this feels good, right? And she just chomps down <laughs> real hard, right? And so I didn't expect it, so I'm like, ah! Don't do that, <laughs> like that. And she's like, <laughs> and she just starts crying really hard. And I didn't, like, in that moment, I didn't go, yeah, jerk, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, don't bite daddy. <laughs> like, no, as soon as she started crying, I was like, oh, hey, it's okay. I know dad's fat flaps are delicious. Like, and, and brought her in and hugged her and, and loved her in that moment. And that's the truth for us. That, that, that's one of the biggest truths about the gospel is that now when we sin, we do not have to hide from God. We can run to God. We, we, he will hug us in the midst of our sin, not because we're good or there's anything great about us, but because Jesus has been good to us, because of what Jesus has done. So you being adopted is a depth of the gospel, right? We, we make the gospel just these historical facts, believe these historical facts, that's where Christianity starts, now let's get started. But we need to make the gospel something that influences our entire life. We need to make the gospel something that centers us, 
right? Jesus, God, saw us in our messiness, and he, he, he said, I, I got to get them out of their messiness. I got to adopt them. I got to make them a son or a daughter of me. And so he sent his son, Jesus, right? He sent his son, Jesus, and Jesus, with his life, filled out our adoption papers, right? Jesus showed us what it really looks like to be a son of God. To be in the family of God. He showed us. He lived perfectly. He never sinned. And so he showed us that. He did what we couldn't. And then Jesus, because he was not a child of wrath, he was the only child that was never a child of wrath. He went to the cross and he said, I will take on the wrath for these children of wrath. I will take on their wrath in their place. And he stepped in our place. And he took that punishment on. And then, and then he dies. And then he comes back to life three days later. And what's amazing about that is we get to share in that resurrected life. And part of what we share with him is we are now sons and daughters of God like he is. Part of that is we get to share in Jesus' identity. Even though you and I are not literal sons and daughters of God, we become sons and daughters of God because of Jesus and his work on the cross God adopts us, and we become children of God. And the adoption to me is one of my favorite things in regards to the gospel. Because it's so good, right? Like, that's so good. It's not like, hey, they were an okay person, and then I want to adopt them, right? It's you were a child of wrath. That's how the Bible describes you. You were a son of disobedience. And God said, no, I love you. I want you to make you a child of God, and it's going to be by my work. I'm not going to give you ten rules to follow, and if you follow them perfectly, then you're my son. He goes, no, you're going to break every one of those rules, and I'm still going to adopt you. You're still going to be my son. You're still going to be my daughter. And so adoption should become what centers us. Adoption should influence us greatly. You know, I think we often do become what centers us, right? What's really important to us? What means a lot to us, right? There's phrases like, you are what you eat, right? And that just illustrates like, man, you become what you put inside you, inside the center. Or I had a friend who, who got this venom inside him and it went into the middle of who he was and it was venom from a radioactive spider and he became Spider-Man, right? Okay, so those are bad examples, but... Honestly, the gospel should do the same thing to us. It should cause us to, to become different. It should change who we are. Often we look the same and we still struggle with a lot of the same things, but there should be a work in our hearts because of the gospel. And I think it helps when we reflect on the gospel and we look for the depths of the gospel and not just, you know, just recite prayers or rec- make sure you read the right passage every day or whatever, but when you really reflect on the gospel and what that means for you specifically and for the people around you, I think it should cause us to be outward focused. It should get deep inside of us, and there will be a point where you can't help but be outward focused. You will, the gospel will cause you to be outward focused if it is truly changing your heart. It might be small, but it should. And so there's actually three ways I want us to talk about how I think the, the, this aspect of adoption in Christ should cause us to be outward focused. All right, three ways that, that looking at, at how good God's been to us and adopting us, how that should cause us to, to be outward focused. So the first way is, 
if, if it's true that our family is bigger, we should act like it, right? If it's true that our family is bigger, we need to act like it, right? I can't tell you how many people I talk to in regards to their redemption communities or their RCs where they're like, man, this person wants to come to my RC, and I, I'm not sure. They're really, they're really a difficult person, and they're really hard to deal with. They got, you know, they got mental issues or physical issues or whatever kind of issues, and it's really hard to deal with them. I, I, I don't know. I just have to go, they're, they're your brother. They're your sister. Right? I've got a brother who's nine years younger than me, and uh, he's crazy, okay? <laughs> like, you can ask my sister. He's just insane, right? He's pulled a knife on me like 30 times, and just because, you know, <laughs> like... We're like, yes, he's 19 now, and we're sitting in my parents' living room, and he just, we're just sitting there talking about random stuff, and he just goes, ah! <laughs> no reason, right? I don't know, maybe he needs to be diagnosed. But, but anyways, my brother, though, I still love him. I still, I tell him that. I still hug him often when I leave the house because he's my brother. And I think with our messier brothers and sisters, at least messier in our eyes, this is how we need to, Treat them. We need to love them. We need to bring them into our community. We need to love them well. Because God says they're your brother and your sister. And I think too often as Christians we find things that divide us. Like, oh, that person's too charismatic or that person's too young or that person's too old or that, that person's this or that person's that. But I think God wants us, just like he adopted us, I think he wants to adopt all people into our communities and into our lives. So if you're here and you have like a standard for who is in your life, I would say that God probably says you shouldn't have that standard. That you should look to see that he did not have a standard for you. And you should invite everyone into your life. And, and, and the reality is, is like we, we, were, we were vulnerable. We were marginalized. We were messy. And we need to remember that too, that we are not better than anyone. And I think David really hit on that last week very well. So that's the, that's the first outward focus point. If our family is bigger, we should act like it. We should adopt everyone into our family. The second thing is if, if we are really sons and daughters of God, I think we need to cultivate that intimacy with him. Right? If we are really sons and daughters of God, you have an intimacy with God that you should cultivate and take advantage of. Right? Like, like, just like I was saying, with my daughter and I, we have such an intimacy because she is my daughter. I'm her dad. We have that same intimacy. Pray more to God. Talk more to God. Right? You don't, like, I think it is good to schedule prayer, and I think you should do that. And we make it too much of a religious act. No, consider it. You're playing catch with dad. Right? You're talking to dad. You're telling him about your day. God wants to have that intimacy with you. And really, if we, if we look outside ourselves and we actually just try to have intimacy with God, it will do a lot of good things for us even. So it is a little bit selfish. But to have that intimacy with God, we have to look outside ourselves sometimes because our, our prayer lives can be tough. Spending time with God can be tough. Because sometimes you pray and you feel nothing. Or sometimes you pray for something and God, it seems like God does the opposite. But... There, there's an intimacy with God that we should take advantage of because we have it now. We're, we're sons. We're daughters. Right? My, my daughter, when I'm putting her down for bed, 
she does this thing to me, and it gets me every time. And Well, first she'll just say, she'll like, please lay with me. And I'm like, no, mom says I'm not supposed to do that. And, and I'll set her down, and then she'll look at me, and she'll just be like, you're my best friend. <laughs> I'll be like, forget what your mom says. And, then, and, and so she takes advantage of me. But I, I, don't, I don't think we can quite do that with God. But, but I think we should take advantage of the fact that God is our father. You know, and God is a friend. That's what scripture says too. But God is our father and we should take advantage of that. We should plead with him. We should beg with him to, to know more of him, to spend more time with him. So look beyond yourself and look to God. And that should, that should be something we all take advantage of. Cultivate that intimacy with God. Run to him with everything. Talk to him about everything. Understand that God is everything. All right. So the last way is I, I think we need to, how we can be more outward focused is actually adopt a, a kid. Actually adopt a child, right? And so that, you're like, Anthony, I'm a, I'm a student. I don't know if I can do that, and that's fine, right? Not every, you can't, it's, there's not an adopt a kid store, right? It's not that easy. And, but I think, you know, there's, when we become Christians, there's kind of these things in Christianity that we're like, yeah, yeah, one day I'll do that. So, like, mission trips, like, every, pretty much everyone that becomes a Christian, like, yeah, one day I'll, I'll, become a, uh, I'll go on a mission trip, and then we usually do at some point. But I, I was thinking, like, what if adoption, what if that was something else that Christians were like, yeah, one day I'll do that, right? Like, it was just like, yeah, that's what all Christians do that. We adopt someone at some point in our lives. Like, that's just what we do. Can you imagine how different our world would look at Christianity? Right? We, we, first, we might get a better rep around, around some certain things, which we don't need the reputation. But what would be beautiful is if the world began to see Christians adopting kids left and right and they saw that it was a part of Christianity, they would see a part of who God is. Right? They would see us reflecting God's image and how he adopts us. And so in a very uh, tangible way, they would see the gospel playing out. They would see the gospel happening. And so, uh, you know, Dave's going to give you some more steps in, in these coming months and years of how we can get into this scene of adoption. How we can become people that adopt every child that needs a parent. And I, I, don't, I don't think it's too big a task for us as Christians. I think if Christians in the state of Arizona and throughout the world united and really just made this something we all do, I think every kid would get adopted. We're seeing states where that's happening because the churches are rallying together and they understand that they've been adopted in Christ. So it's nothing for them, right? I have a, a youth pastor friend and she, she goes to... She, Throughout her life, she just goes to Bulgaria and adopts kids, and they are the messiest kids ever, right? They have schizophrenia. They have a, a wide variety uh, of things, right? And used to go to youth camp with them and just see some crazy stuff, right? And, but they understood that they were adopted in Christ, and they love these kids. I've never heard them once complain about their kids. I've complained about their kids. But... <laughs> I have never once heard them complain about their kids because they understand the beauty of what God's done for them. The gospel centers them. So those are three ways I think we could be more outward focused. And I just have one word to the wise. 
in regards to when we become more outward focused and when we let adoption center us and the gospel really center us. Because adoption is messy. Doing all those things is messy. Adopting all of your brothers and sisters in Christ into your family is messy. Like, it's not easy, right? It, it's, even though the truths of, the, of adoption are beautiful and wondrous and awesome, it's not easy. You know, running to God with everything is not easy. Actually, acting like a son or a daughter before him is not easy. Thinking of him as dad or father can, is a lot of times very hard. And then finally, actual adoption is not easy. There's all kinds of legal barriers and hoops and things you have to go through. The kids themselves come from incredibly broken backgrounds sometimes, and that makes it difficult. So, so adoption, being outward focused in regards to adoption isn't easy, but it's worth it. Because just like Jesus said, we're sons and we're heirs. One day, this whole thing's going to be wrapped up, right? God's going to come. He's going to renew the earth. He's going to make all things new. And we're going to be with God. And, and so will hopefully our own sons and daughters that we've adopted. And so it's not easy, but it's worth it because in the end, we get God. And the glory that we get and to experience that God has will be far greater than any difficulty we experience here. So let us become a people that are centered by Jesus and the gospel. Let's become gospel-centered people. Like, look for the depths of the gospel, especially throughout this series. Look for the depths of the gospel and apply it to your heart. Ask yourself, what does it mean for me to pray to God as if he's my Abba Father? Ask yourself these questions in, in all regards, because the gospel, again, has depths. Adoption isn't just one of the depths. It, it is just one of the depths of the gospel. There are many depths and many ideas that the gospel has. And so I think when we, when we look at the depths of the gospel, we will become gospel-centered, and it will cause us to be outward-focused. Amen? Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you for making me a kid of yours. I don't deserve it. There's nothing I did. And uh, God, I, I just I, I thank you for that. It's incredible that we all get to be sons and daughters of, of the king, that we all get to experience who you are, that we get intimacy with you, that we get to know you better, that we don't have to jump through all these hoops for you to be our dad. And so, God, thank you for coming to us in our messiness and saving us and adopting us. Jesus, thank you for filling out the adoption papers for us. So, God, help us all to see that Jesus is Lord that Jesus is Savior, that, that Jesus is the good news, that Jesus is the gospel, and he has caused us to be saved. And so, God, we need you. Help us to understand the depths of the gospel better and more and daily. And, and so, God, we love you and we thank you. And we just pray all of these things in your mighty holy name. Amen.